Today's reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We'll be reading from the New International Version. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their own tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galleons? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Siren, visitors from Rome, both the Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Good morning, my name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors on the team. It's good to be together as we continue in our series, Holy Disruption, looking at the ways that God has broken in and intervened in the past and in scripture and how God continues to intervene in holy ways to disrupt our lives in order to see God more fully and to see what God is doing in our world. And so shout out to Jacob Peterson. Jacob, thanks for reading probably one of the most difficult passages to pronounce all these different names and places, but probably one of the most significant disruptions that occurs in Scripture, definitely in the New Testament, to completely reshape our understanding of how God works. And so today I want to look at that together. And and so when we think about this idea of disruption, Pastor Sharon kicked it off last week in Acts chapter 1, and sometimes disruptions are holy, and other times disruptions are everything but holy. Um, I think we all can recount different disruptions that we've had in our lives the last six months, but I want to specifically think about some that have occurred on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or some sort of online digital connecting platform. Uh, You think about the different videos that you could literally Google or YouTube right now of um, people accidentally using the restroom while they're on Zoom or people picking their nose or uh, petting their dog or letting their dog lick them all over their face, right? They forget that their cameras are on and you're trying to pay attention in a meeting or pay attention in school and all you can see is that kid picking his nose or whatever, right? And so those are everything but holy disruptions. And I think all of us can think about ones that uh, we have had in the last six months. Um, just because of the reality of the current climate of our world of being isolated and still trying to connect. And yet, there are these holy disruptions that God is attempting uh, to break through, to catch our attention, to, to draw us into deeper relationship with God and, and ultimately with other in the ways that we're called to be a blessing to our world. And, and really, it's our job to pay attention when God is moving. It's our job to pay attention to when God 
is moving. And so my question for us this morning is, is simply this. Are we paying attention? Are we paying attention when God shows up in order to disrupt? Are we paying attention when God shows up in order to disrupt? So I want to begin in uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I'll be honest, the first time that I prepared, uh, and I read this verse in preparation for this week, I literally laughed out loud because uh, verse 1 is taking on a whole new meaning for us in 2020. Check it out. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Yeah, that is not our reality as a church in this current Condition. We are separated and not in this one place. And, and so honestly, while it's funny, like, oh, the church is not gathered, that's pretty funny that this church or this group of people was gathered. Uh, there's also this profound reality in this statement that uh, though those disciples who were gathered in this room or this place um, were all in close proximity to one another, that doesn't define the church. We are just as much the church, maybe even more so the church, because we're in different places, because we're connected by the Spirit. And the cool thing is uh, the Spirit is about to descend and come upon these people. But I think it's important to remember that um, just because it says that the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit was like off the scene for this first whole uh, scene of the Old Testament or even before in the New Testament, that we believe as Christians that God is a triune God of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and yes, Jesus, the image of the invisible God, was present from the very beginning at creation. And, and yes, the Holy Spirit, the one who was sent to be the advocate, was still present from the very beginning. And so it's not like the Spirit comes on the scene for the first time, but the Spirit does a unique thing in Acts chapter 2. And so uh, we see that the setting is Pentecost. Pentecost uh, was simply one of several really big um, gatherings or festivals that took place on the Hebrew calendar uh, throughout the year. And so it was a time where a mass pilgrimage took place where all these people came to Jerusalem. And so uh, you would have people from all around the known world that would come to Jerusalem to worship, to be together, to reconnect, to ultimately uh, worship God. And so you had people from North Africa, uh, East Asia, Middle East, and even it mentioned some in, um, in Europe. And there's some significance to where these people are from. And Jacob, again, shout out to pronouncing these, these names. Um, we'll, we'll talk about one in particular in just a moment. But uh, it's significant to see that all these people were in one place, or at least some were gathered in one place, and there was a lot of bystanders. So kind of get that, that picture in your mind where there was a group of the disciples, apostles, that were in one room. We don't really know where that or what that room was. They were in one room, but then there was also something else going on with the festival or whatever where other people were kind of bystanding. Okay, so kind of get that mental picture in your mind. Then the Holy Spirit comes. 
I think I kind of think about um, it being like a rainstorm. In Washington, sometimes it's so nice in the morning and it's blue sky and, and clear, and then all of a sudden, like the weather changes and we're in the midst of this like crazy torrential downpour, right?、Um, it was kind of a drastic switch like this, where these people were in this room. Waiting for how God would show up, they knew that God would show up, but they didn't know how it would take place. And all of a sudden, the Spirit descends in the form of tongues of fire. Tongues of fire. Unfortunately,、uh, this week, this reality of the power of fire has taken on、uh, a whole new meaning and reminded us of the devastation. To think about.、Um, Places in California, Los Angeles, the Bay Area,、um, places in Southern Oregon, and even Eastern Washington that have just been absolutely devastated by fire. And, and I, I do believe that it's our job to be praying against those things and praying for those people that have been absolutely devastated. And, and so, fire has a unique place in not only in our world but a, a unique symbol in Scripture. And and so, fire here is really playing off of this this theme where fire shows up、um, elsewhere in the Old Testament. I, I think about ways、uh, where maybe you know the story in Exodus chapter three, where Moses was being、uh, being kind of he he'd fled from his job and he was just wandering as a shepherd in the desert,、um, walking along, and, and then out of the corner of his eye. Catches this bush that's on fire, but the peculiar thing about this fire is that it was a fire that was not being consumed. The bush was not being consumed, and so Moses goes over to the bush and he realizes that the presence of God, God Yahweh, was dwelling in this bush that was calling Moses. To do something, and if you know the rest of the story, it was the beginning of this incredible exodus of taking the Hebrew people out of slavery to Egypt. And so, God shows up. The symbol of fire is an example of God showing up all throughout Scripture. Maybe you know the story of when the Hebrew people were wandering in the desert, and they were led by a cloud during the day, and then a pillar of fire at night. Literally, God's presence. Leading and guiding them as this symbol of fire, and so that is such a significant thing.、Um, not only if you were a Jew in that context, but you, anybody would would have been amazed. Like if you had no understanding of what、um, the the symbol of fire meant, you would be amazed if people literally started babbling in different languages. And they had what seemingly was tongues of fire, the symbol of tongues of fire. But that was a, that was such a significant symbol for the Hebrew people, these tongues of fire. And so、uh, we see how not only the Spirit descends and these tongues of fire are on these different people, but the significant thing is that all the people that were speaking were Galileans. The, the verse seven says, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, "Are not all these who are speaking Galileans?" So all the people that were speaking this tongue were the apostles, right? Or were people that were from Galilee, this immediate place, right? Like right in Jerusalem, right? Or、uh, right in Israel. 
the, but the significant thing again was that the people who were at this festival were from all over the known world, and yet it was the locals who were speaking these different tongues. Did you catch that? It was the locals, the Galileans, who were speaking in these different tongues, represented all across the known world. There's significance to that. There's significance to the fact that um, that God descends on His people, and yet. Now it's represented as this beautiful multi-ethnic array of people as displayed through language. And, and so again, this question that we're asking this morning is, um, are we paying attention when God shows up in order to disrupt? Are we paying attention when God shows up in order to disrupt? Clearly, the moment that this happened whether you were a bystander or a Jew who knew the realities of the symbol of fire, you knew that this was a disruption. I don't know uh, about you, but um, when I've been working from home uh, the past several months, um, there's a, I, I don't know why, I think it's like my apartment complex, like, I don't know, plans it this way, but um, anytime I'm on our staff meeting or our Wednesday morning prayer, it just so happens to be that that's when they're mowing the lawn right outside of my door. And not only mowing the lawn, but coming by to weed whack and then coming by with the big blower to get the grass off the the, uh, <laughs> the sidewalk. And um, that just is like a really disruptive thing for me. And, and yet I'm disrupted and inconvenienced and in that that person is just doing their job. And so sometimes disruptions are, again, just like happenstance. But other times like this one, disruptions are ways that God is breaking through to our world, to our lives, to disrupt us in order for us to see him more clearly. And so again, are we paying attention when God shows up in order to disrupt. And so what, what does this mean for us in our lives uh, when God here clearly has showed up in order to disrupt with uh, so many different tongues of the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, right? All these different tongues are being spoken. And these people are absolutely amazed. Sitting there, standing there, Jaws to the floor, wondering, what is God doing? What is God doing? I love the question um, that these people ask. Check out verse 12. It says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? What does this mean? As the people of God, we can never tire from asking this question, what does this mean? Because when a disruption, a holy disruption occurs, it must move us to ask this question, what does this mean? So I I think about that um, on kind of three different levels, but personally, communally as a church, and then globally, uh, or a big picture of what does this look like for us? What does this mean? Not only in the context of Acts chapter 2, but, but I want to speak just to, for a moment to our current context. What does this mean um, when God is trying to disrupt in, in order to 
um, or God is trying to show up in order to disrupt in my personal life. I think a lot of times I think about this in, in conflict. Um, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to bring the Enneagram into every conversation, but um, I am one that naturally I try to uh, to move away from conflict. And so these past several years, I've been working on sitting in conflict and being okay with conflict, right? And and so conflict is a way oftentimes where I see God um, showing up in my life where I can work to deeper relationship with people because of conflict. Maybe you've had similar experiences where um, maybe complications in your home or with your kids or coworkers or, or whatever, where uh, oftentimes conflict can, can drive us apart, but Sometimes conflict is something that can lead us to not only deeper reconciliation between individuals, but but I think deeper encounters with God in the way that God is is trying to soften our hearts, my heart, in the ways that I fall short and, and having to repent in conflict, but also um, in the ways that interpersonally we can always be attentive to the ways that, that God is trying to show up in order to disrupt us personally. And, and conflict is, is one example for me. Next, I think about the ways that God has showed up in order to disrupt our lives um, as a church community. It's no doubt that there are different tracks of gathering again or re-entering church as we knew it. Uh, all across America, there's different approaches to that, and even in our community. And um, it's no secret that we as a church, Pine Lake Covenant, have taken a, a more slower route or a slower route to um, to regather. One, because we feel like it's the most responsible way to uh, ensure everyone's safety that we're entrusted with as a church. But, um, but also, if we're completely honest, I don't think we're in any rush to get back to, to church as we knew it. Because while there's been so many good things of how we've done church the last 100 plus years, um, where deep community is experienced and great relationships and worship and and great teaching, uh, I think that there's also ways that our current model of church kind of holds us back from being the people who are sent into our communities to to be the church and um, to be a reflection of Christ's presence in in our circles, in our spheres of influence. If I'm honest, I think the last six months I've had more and better pastoral encounters um, in our community. Uh, If I'm truly honest, I've had better relationships with my neighbors in the past six months because I've allowed myself and I've actually taken the time to be present in where I live to get to know my neighbors and and have deeper conversation. And to be honest, I think that I've had a better understanding of what it means to be the church in the last six months because we're not defined by this routine of week-in and week-out gatherings. We're defined by coming together to worship and to be encouraged, but then to go out and to be God's presence in our community. And so... um, I think that there's ways that, yes, of course, it's inconvenient and really disruptive in uh, the most practical sense that we're not able to gather together right now. But but there is this holy disruption going on right now that uh, together collectively as a church, we have to press into to ask this question, what is God doing? How is God showing up in order to disrupt during this season of our lives? And I also think about 
how God is doing that on maybe a, a national level or a global level as the bigger picture of the church. And um, I want to share a story. Uh, it was actually a year and a half ago. Um, maybe you know Brad Allen. Brad is uh, he's part of Pine Lake Covenant Church, and um, he went on this trip called um, Journey to Mosaic. It's this um, three, four-day trip where um, there's all these different cultural experiences um, in the Pacific Northwest, from uh, Seattle all the way down to Portland and back. And the, really the purpose of the trip is to see how um, different seeds of, of even racism, but also um, the realities of uh, how cultural differences and in, in how this multi-ethnic uh, reality of Native Americans and um, even different multi-ethnic groups that are living in the Pacific Northwest have maybe been mistreated or um, how there's just been so much injustice and unrest, even in our communities. And, and so Brad went on this trip, and um, he met this guy, Mike, Mike Davis, um, on the trip. And uh, long story short, they cultivated this relationship. And Mike's a youth pastor down in Seattle in the Rainier Beach area. And, and Brad introduced me to Mike, and I've got to get to know Mike uh, on a, a personal level. And it's just been this huge gift for me personally uh, to to get to know someone in a completely different context. Uh, Mike pastors uh, a group that's predominantly Afri- African-American, and I'm in a context that uh, looks much different than Sammamish. And, and so we've got to learn from each other. Um, but the coolest thing is that, that Mike has invited Pine Lake um, into prayer partnership with him, into opportunities to say, we don't want to just be one group living on the plateau and then another group living down in Rainier Beach and never having any contact. We want to have opportunities to to do life together. And, and so the last couple of years, we've got to go on hikes together and have worship nights together. And it's just this beautiful expression of the kingdom of God, all because of one relationship where God was disrupting Brad's life in order to bring this new opportunity for us as a church to have relationship um, with Mike and his group down in Rainier Beach. And, and I'm grateful for those things, and I'm grateful for the ways that God will continue to work in our lives. And so as we close this morning, um, again, this, this greatest disruption that's ever taken place in our world is Jesus breaking into the scene. And because of his life, death, and resurrection on the cross and uh, into this new reality of the kingdom of God that that we truly are able to have relationship, deep relationship, accessible relationship with God. And because of that, God is continually disrupting our lives in order to show us a more complete picture of the kingdom of God. And so as these people in Acts chapter 2 ask this question, may we be people of God who never tire of asking the question, what does this mean? Amen.